Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And today I want to welcome you, uh, or I want to thank you for joining us for our second installment in our series entitled Smart Life. These are lessons from the book of Proverbs. If you've never spent time in the book of Proverbs, the bulk of it is a bunch of short little easy-to-remember sayings that are designed for us to tumble around over and over again in our minds until we soak up some wisdom so we can live better lives. And that's where this whole title, Smart Life, comes from. Today, inside your bulletin, you'll find out where we're headed on this. And it's a, today we're talking about how to have a smarter tongue. And uh, that would be great if I had a smart tongue. The idea behind this is we live in a day where we have smart homes, smart cars, Smartphones. I mean, you can see the illustration here. This is the kind of phone we used to have. I don't know if some of you even remember this. Some of you are too young to remember there were phones like this that you would hang on the wall in the kitchen. This even had like sticky notes on it. It was really advanced, okay? Um, and it could make phone calls. Okay? So that was our phone. And if you had a really long cord, you could stand in the pantry and make a private call. Anyway, that's the way it worked. Well, this is a smartphone. I can go anywhere with it. It works in my car. Not only does it take uh, phone calls, it takes high-resolution photos. I've got maps. I've got social networking. I've got the Internet. I've got an address book. i got all this. This is a smartphone. This is a dumb phone. Okay? If this is a smartphone, this one had to stay after school and do extra homework. Okay, this isn't. Uh, and so if, when you look at phones like this, if I compare this phone and this one, there's really no comparison. Well, The Bible makes the case that if we have wisdom in our lives and we apply it to our lives, as Proverbs suggests, we can live a life that's as far above where we would be on our own as this phone is above this one. And today we're going to apply that to a critical part of my life and your life, and that's our tongue. So I'm going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right in. Lord, I just pray for today. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. I want to be smart about my tongue. I would love it, Lord, if I could just get a chip put in my tongue that would control what I say, but I can't. I can put wisdom in my brain from you, and I can learn, and then I can control my tongue better. But, uh, Father, we need your help on this. In a moment of silence, if you would pray for that right now and say, Lord, I would like to learn something today to help me better control my tongue. If you really mean it, just silently pray it where you are. Lord will hear you. Lord, I pray that you'll speak, move me out of the way. Teach us some things about controlling our tongues. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hey, if you need a pen to take some notes, raise your hand. If you didn't get a pen on the way in, ushers will bring you one. You do want to take notes on this one. This impacts every single one of us. So, point A. Uh, God wants us to live smart lives. That's why we're doing this whole series, Smart Life. It's why the book of Proverbs is in the Bible. Proverbs was written by the wisest man who ever lived. By King, well, the bulk of it was written by the wisest man who ever lived, uh, King Solomon. He was the son of David. In fact, this is Proverbs 1, how it begins. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. If you've ever spent time in Psalms, the book right before it in the Old Testament, David wrote a huge share of the Psalms, And when you meditate on the works of David, it helps your heart praise God. If you meditate on the Proverbs of Solomon, his son, it helps your mind think wisely. Psalms helps your heart. Proverbs helps your brain and helps you think wisely. So these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, here it is, to teach people wisdom and discipline and help them understand insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what's right and just and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. 
Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise, and their riddles. So some of the Proverbs are hard to understand. It's like a riddle. Some of them, most of them are just little short, easy-to-remember sayings, little sentences or rhymes, a little couplet. You can toss them around over and over again, but if you meditate on them and reflect on them, you'll be wiser. And the whole idea in the Bible, God wants us to have wisdom. Now, this is not written in your outline anywhere, but I'd like you to write it in the margin here. Two ways that you and I get wisdom commonly, uh, first of all, is experience. I gain wisdom, and wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Like, I could know the stove is hot. I put my hand on the stove, I've experienced it. It's real hot, okay? And so the problem with experience, even in that illustration, is experience or the school of hard knocks, that's what we call that. School of hard knocks, the tuition is high. Okay, the tuition is very high. And you and I will learn by experience, that's guaranteed. But what's better is if I can learn from others. And I can learn, they can even tell me, hey, I put my hand on the stove, it's hot, don't do that, it hurts. Okay, what I tell my sons is, hey, learn from my experience here. Don't pay the stupid tax twice. I've already paid it. Don't pay it again. Take my advice. Well, now you're hearing Solomon, and so Solomon when he became king, he didn't know after his father David, David was the greatest king ever, and Solomon was following in his footsteps. And he goes, and the Lord asked him, well, what prayer request? God appeared to him in a vision one night. And um, he said, Solomon, I'll grant your request one wish, basically. What would you wish for? And Solomon said, look, I, I'm like a little child. I don't know my way around. I need wisdom. And the Lord was so pleased to him. He said, I won't only make you wise. I'll give you more wisdom than anybody has ever had or ever will have. And so during his lifetime, Solomon wrote down a lot of these little sentences, little easy-to-remember phrases for us to consider. And if we do this, we will learn from his experience, from others, and mainly here, as it applies to Scripture, we will learn from God. You'll see that here in this life application. To live smart lives, we need to seek God's wisdom. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek, for the, seek them like hidden treasures. Then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you'll gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. You can underline it, and that's what we're talking about here. I can gain wisdom from experience, school of hard knocks. I can take the advice of others, and I can ask God directly for it. God loves it when we ask him for wisdom. You'll see this. I mean, Solomon even said so. The Lord grants wisdom. Solomon knew that's where he got his wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. And then you'll understand what is right and just and fair. And you'll find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. If I want to have a joyful life, if I want to have a smart life rather than just a run-of-the-mill average life, well, then I'm going to need wisdom. And so today, and each week we're applying it they're all of Proverbs, by the way, if you read through it, they're all scrambled up. There's all these little sayings, but they're not organized by topic. And so what we've done in this series is we've pulled out some of them that are, we have kind of organized them by topic. And so you'll see a number of Proverbs today that talk about the tongue. Okay, and that brings us to point B. Smart people realize they need God's wisdom to control their tongues. If you have a tongue, you need to hear this lesson. 
And here's why. This is the first proverb we're going to look at. Short little easy to remember saying, a lot of truth in it. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs 18:21. Listen to it again. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Well, John, what, are you, what is this talking about? Well, it's talking about something that's a very clear observation. Clear observation in our world, a clear observation in the pages of the Bible. There's probably no story in the Bible any clearer than this one. I ask you to write this reference down too. This is 1 Samuel chapter 25. David um, has not yet become king, but he has about 600 men who travel with him, who have joined in with him. His father-in-law, Saul, has gone crazy and is out to murder him. And so David, with his 600 men, they're hiding in the wilderness. During that time, they were camping out in a place uh, near the pasture land of a very wealthy shepherd, a man by the name of Nabal. He had thousands of sheep and goats, and David and his men, when they camped there, they protected the shepherds from raiders and marauders, and even if they were lost sheep, they brought them back. I mean, and the shepherds that worked for Nabal were really grateful. Well, when it came the harvest time for shepherds, which is when they do all their sheep shearing, and they collect all the wool. It was a custom in those days to throw a big banquet because they would be able to look at all the fleeces that they had been able to stack up, and they would have all harvested their grain recently too. And so David said, hey, we've been around your shepherds. He sent some young men to Nabal and said, we've been watching over your shepherds for the last few months, and we're wondering during your harvest celebrations if you can send some food our way. We'd like to join in with you. And the courtesy of the day in Middle Eastern hospitality would have been, sure. But Nabal was a mean and cruel and angry man, and he didn't control his tongue whatsoever. And he told the young men whom David had sent that he would have nothing to do with David, didn't know who David was anyway, didn't respect him, and David could just get lost for all he cared. Well, the young men went back to David, and when David heard that, he said, well, a lot of good this has done me to be kind to this man. And he told his men, men, saddle up. We're going to go teach this man a lesson. And they were headed out. And David was so angry, he was ready to kill this man named Nabal. One of Nabal's men saw the whole thing and ran to find Nabal's wife, a woman named Abigail. And he told her, he goes, ma'am, we got trouble coming. I'm putting this in Western style. Okay. (laughs) David and the boys are coming, ma'am. Okay. That's pretty much what was going on. And they were coming. And he said, we're in trouble. What do we do? And Abigail said, I'll take care of it. And she went and got a whole bunch of food gathered up and uh, killed some animals and butchered them and loaded them on some donkeys. And she met David while he was still a good ways off from her husband's farm from the homestead. And she bowed to the ground and she said, I'm sorry I didn't see your men. Blame me, but my husband was wrong for doing this. Please take this food and don't carry out the violence you were planning to do because this will be a stain on your reputation forever. Please don't do this. And here's what David said. This is 1 Samuel 25, and it's exactly related to Proverbs 18. When Abigail came out to him, David replied to her, Praise the Lord, this is verse 32, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet with me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who's kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I've heard what you said. We will not kill your husband, which is a good thing. 
Abigail, with her swift action and with her kind and gracious tongue, spared the lives of her husband and all of his men. Listen to Proverbs 18.21 again. And Solomon would have heard this story from his father, David. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And you could go, yeah, but John, I mean, I don't know anybody's going to come murder some farmer and his sheep. I mean, how does that apply to me? Okay, maybe what I say won't save somebody, somebody's physical life. But do you know that with a careless word, I could ruin someone's reputation? And so could you. You could kill their reputation. Do you know that with a careless word, I could destroy somebody's opportunity for promotion or to make the team or to receive the scholarship? Do you know that with a kind word, I could help that person get into that scholarship program? I could help that person get the promotion? I could help that person in a relationship with a friend? One more time. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What kind of tongue do you want to have? I better realize my tongue has a lot of power careless word, I can destroy somebody. So can you. A kind word, like Abigail had, I could save somebody's career. And do you know, by the way, I have literally met people who told me that they got a phone call or they got an email from somebody at just the time when they were going to quit their job, at just the time when they were going to walk out on their marriage, at just the time, some of them even when they were thinking about taking their lives doing something desperate, and they got a kind word, and it changed their whole opinion. Now you know why this is so important. I have a tongue, so do you. The tongue can bring death or life. James put it this way, if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect. We could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, what's the illustration? Why is a tongue compared to fire? Well, if you've ever seen, some of you have... uh, lived in places where you've seen a grand old home that might have stood for a hundred years and then because of a lightning strike one night it burns to the ground. hundred years, historical marker, beautiful sight, one night it's gone, one spark. Well, how's that like the tongue? A relationship I worked on for 20 years, one argument, one careless thing, one breach of confidence and now that person's not my friend anymore. burned up. James says, be careful. Tongue is like that. People can tame all kinds of animals, continuing on. Birds, reptiles, fish. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this isn't right. And this is why this is a spiritual issue. From experience, I will learn. If I, stay, if I say foolish things, it'll cost me a friendship. It might cost me a job. 
I can learn it from others, but this is where I'm going to need God's help. If I'm going to have the self-control and the discipline, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to change me, and so do you. Wise people know this. If I want a smart tongue, I'm going to need God's help. Here's a note. Because a tongue problem is really a heart problem. Solomon again. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Heart, mouth. Jesus said it this way. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's true. Because when you find somebody who doesn't care about the things of God and doesn't care about other people's feelings, they're going to even say things like this. They'll say the most horrible, hateful things. They'll even say, you know, and I don't even care what you think of me. Obviously. Hey, I know this is really going to probably hurt your feelings or this is really going to sound like I'm putting you down, but I'm saying it anyway because I'm mad and Jimmy Crack Corn. Well, they probably won't say that. I'm the only one who says that. So inside your bulletin, if you open it up, I want us to spend the rest of our time talking about five ways you and I could upgrade. Five ways we can upgrade from a dumb phone to a smartphone. I wish, again, as I said at the beginning, I wish there was a simple tip I could put in and all these things would happen. It won't happen. But if we meditate on these Proverbs and we apply them to our lives and we pray for God's help with this, we can change. First of all, you and I can talk less. I can talk less. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Hmm. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. When my dad was teaching me to work with wood, I grew up on a farm and we had to do a lot of repairs ourselves. And every time we're cutting wood, I'd say, son, wood is expensive. And if you make a mistake, you can't make it longer. So measure twice, cut once. Did anybody's dad ever say that besides mine? Yeah, measure twice, cut once. Did you know that tongues can cut too? Like a knife. Those who control their tongues will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Measure twice. Speak once. A truly wise person uses few words. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I mean, all you have to do is go on Google and type in beauty queens with crazy answers or something like that. And you'll find people answering stuff and millions of views and we all laugh and go, what were they even talking about? They didn't seem very intelligent. But if you and I will keep our mouths closed, well, my goodness, that will help us. Here, here, look, here are a couple of reasons why this is so important to talk less. First of all, here's the genuine, genuine principle. Nobody want, we shouldn't talk just to talk. If I don't have anything to say, I should say nothing at all. If I have nothing to say, I should say nothing at all. And that's just a general rule. If I'm in a conversation and I don't have anything to add, don't add anything. Secondly, it's smart to listen and learn. Because if I'm being silent, I can listen better when I'm not talking. And thirdly, as this last proverb said, I'm going to be associated with wise people. Here's a habit of smart people, of wise people. They listen more than they talk. And if I'm sitting there quiet and listening, people give me the benefit of the doubt. Well, he's at least smart enough to keep his mouth shut. 
Well, in the back, on the discussion questions, I have a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. I mean, that's true. I learned something from a friend of mine a few years ago. Um, I said, you know, he'd been working on this. I said, how do you do it? And he said, well, when I listen to people, I do this. And I noticed it after that. I'd never noticed it before. But every time he was listening to people, he'd always put his hand to his mouth. He listened like this. And I said, well, why does that help? And he goes, well, this is a physical reminder to me to keep my mouth shut. If this is a goal of yours and the Lord is speaking to you, I just suggest that. You become a person that goes, hmm. Hmm. It's a great reminder. Too much talk leads to sin. We need to be sensible and keep our mouths shut. Secondly, if I want a smart tongue, if I want to upgrade here, I need to stay away from gossip. What I mean by gossip? Rumors, juicy details, whether true or not, stories that are none of our business and we know it, of a very personal or intimate nature, a confidence that somebody, something somebody told us in confidence and, man, I'm just dying, I've got to spread this around. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and gossip separates the best of friends. Sharing something that I never should have shared, something that was shared with me in confidence, and now it's all over the place. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. The words of of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. These are the Proverbs of Solomon here, and they are given to us so that we can reflect on them. We will learn by experience. When we betray a confidence, it will cost us friendships. You will learn this. If you haven't learned it yet, you will. But especially, remember, Solomon said, these are Proverbs that will help the young. You haven't had that much experience yet. You don't have to have this experience. Learn from others. And let me even tell you something that was revealed to me by God himself. And that's why that's saved in Holy Scripture. God wants you and me to know these things. So I can have a smart life. I don't have to have a dumb life. I can live better. And even if it's cost me relationships in the past, I don't have to keep going that way. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? We can learn. We can learn. And Solomon suggests we do. I heard the story once about how, you know, that last part there, gossip like choice morsels. Gossip's like choice, choice morsels. You can't get it back. I mean, it's kind of like, you can't unhear gossip. You can't unring a bell. A man was struggling with this, was really convicted after a sermon on gossip and speaking too much. So he went to his pastor the next day and said, you know, man, I just feel like this is awful. and I don't know what I need to do about it. I mean, I really feel convicted. You know, I've done this for a long time, but I've always enjoyed telling a good story and all these things. And the pastor said, um, well, I got some advice for you, but here's, just give me a minute. And the pastor went, his parsonage was just close to the chapel where they were meeting, went home and got a feather pillow from the bedroom and told the man to come with him. They climbed up, there was a bell tower in this particular church in the steeple, and they climbed up there and it was a windy day. And the pastor got a pocket knife and ripped open the feather pillow and threw the feathers out and blew all over the place. The man who was with him said, what are you doing? He goes, well, when they'd been talking, the man said, what should I do to make amends for what I've done, all these stories I've told? And he said, uh, he said, I'm just showing you what you need to do. 
He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go pick up all the feathers and put them back in this pillowcase. man goes, oh, I can't. I mean, I can pick up a few of them here, but some of them, I don't even know where they went. He goes, well, I want you to understand, that's the way it is when you and I share a rumor. It gets carried by the wind, and there's no telling how far it's going to go or whose yard it's going to end up in. From that point on, that man became very careful about what he said. In the margin, I'd like you to write one little phrase. Here's a cure for gossip. We'll practice it. It's none of my business. Please write that down. It's none of my business. Can we say that together, please? It's none of my business. One more time. It's none of my business. Now turn to the person next to you and say, it's none of your business either. Say that. It's none of your business either. I mean, think if we actually did that. Well, that's none of my business, and it's none of your business either. Why are we talking about this? That'd stop rumors real quick. And remember, the tongue can bring death or life. A careless rumor could destroy somebody's career. Could destroy a relationship. Smart tongues stay away from gossip. Thirdly, smart tongues use kind words whenever they can. It's easier to catch flies with honey than with vinegar. Another John Schmidt proverb there. Anyway, the wise are known for their understanding. The pleasant, let's listen to Solomon. His are better. Proverbs 16, 21. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. Wisdom. A gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. Proverbs 15.1. Here's another one, Proverbs 25.15. Patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can break bones. This is one of those riddles of the wise. What? Patience can persuade a prince. Well, yeah, think about it. I mean, this goes to our speech again. Patience can persuade a prince means if I was in the presence of a prince or a ruler who made decisions and they were, had their mind made up on a bad decision and they said, I'm not listening to anybody, I don't care what you say, the right thing would be not to say anything that day. But to bide your time until there came an opportune moment where the argument you were trying to make was borne out through the circumstance. Say, this is what I think we ought to do in light of this. And then even a prince can go, oh, I see that now. Patience uh, can persuade a prince means saying the right thing at the right time. If it's the right course of action all the time, it can probably wait till tomorrow. Here's the second half of that, though. Soft speech can break bones. Abigail, the reason I went into all that story before, this is Abigail again. David and his men were coming to kill Nabal and his men. And David had 400 men with him. Nabal and his servants had no chance. And yet, Abigail went unarmed. A woman with no weapons turned David's army around. What was her secret? Soft speech. 
tossed feet can break bones. Mightier than a club. Mightier than a sword. And that's why a gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh word makes it worse. And that's why in the Bible, Nabal, the shepherd, his name means fool. Abigail means daddy's joy. I mean, how fitting. Abigail's dad would have been proud of her. You turned around 400 armed men hell-bent on revenge. And you turned them around with a kind word. I'm so proud of my daughter. Nabal had a chance to do what was right in the first place, and he gave a harsh word that stirred up anger. His name means fool. I don't have to be a fool. This is a Nabal phone. This is an Abigail 7.0. Who do I want to be like? I can use kind words. Now here's what's an, is important to note also. Gracious speech is especially important around our unbelieving friends and neighbors. I mean, my goodness, again... You and I are to make disciples. That's why we're here as Christians. God left us here to introduce people to him and to a right relationship with him. Here's what Paul wrote to the Colossians. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Listen to this. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Kind words. So you have the right response for everyone. Can you imagine talking in front of our friends the way we could talk if we're not careful? Talking about all the people in our connect group, this person's stupid and that person's wrong and then this, this is going on at our church and I don't like that and I don't like this and all this stuff. And then we invite them to come to church with us. They go, I don't want that. And they go, I wonder what's wrong with them. You mean you wonder why they don't want to go to church with stupid, angry, gossiping people at a church that does everything wrong? I can't imagine why they don't want to go there. Well, where would they get that idea? From me. Because I told them that. Over and over. James 1, if you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. That's the way your neighbor will think. That's the way God thinks. That's what the Bible says. How in the world am I supposed to be a witness for Jesus if I won't even control my own tongue? There are people that read over Proverbs, a chapter of it every day. There's 31 chapters, usually 31 days in most months. They read over, so if it's, you know, the 19th of February, they're reading chapter 19 today. And the, they're all scrambled up, so there's something you can get out of it every time. And you just listen for what God has for you that day. So I can learn from God, I can learn from my experiences, and I can learn from others. I want to be wise with my tongue. So do you. Fourthly. I can tell the truth. If I'm going to have a smart tongue, I need to tell the truth. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. And truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Well, I don't go around telling people lies. Well, most of us don't go around just telling fibs. I understand that. But it's easy for me to exaggerate, so it is and for you too, it's easy for me to try to kiss up to somebody and flatter them too much. 
And people know that. And it's easy to say a half-truth. And isn't it amazing how a half-truth sounds pretty close to a whole lie? I mean, even that flattering one. He rebukes man in the end will gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. We hate it when we know people are just trying to butter somebody up. We hate that. Don't do it. That's why we're meditating on this. Point five, I can confess my sins. And the word confess means just to agree with. It's to say, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm going the wrong way. To repent, then, is to turn around. I confess my sins and repent. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they'll receive mercy. Proverbs 28. New Testament version, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. I need to confess my sins to you if I've sinned against you. I certainly need to confess my sins to God so I don't lose a relationship. I'm going to learn this by experience. That if I apologize and admit I'm wrong, I have a chance to restore relationships, a chance to win favor back even when I blow it. God himself tells us to confess our sins and keep a short account. Why wouldn't I want to do that? I don't want to have a dumb tongue. I want to have a smart tongue. So I'm going to need to talk less, listen more. I've got to stay far away from gossip. I need to make sure that I'm not exaggerating. I need to make sure that if I can, I give a kind answer. How I say it often matters just as much as what I say. And finally, when I blow it, I need to confess to the people I offend and to the Lord himself. Get back on the right track. This is what the Lord wants for us. This is his word. The reason it's been preserved is because God wants us to live smart lives. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray for every person here. Lord, there's not a one of us who didn't need to hear something out of this list this morning. Probably all of us need to hear all of it. I pray that, Lord, you would convict us in areas we need to change. We would not do anything but listen and apply these truths to our lives. I thank you for giving Solomon such wisdom. I thank you that these words have been preserved for us in Holy Scripture. And I thank you, oh God, that when we blow it, we can always come to you. When we confess our sins to you, you forgive us. When we ask you for help, you'll give us the strength to carry out the right thing to do. We pray at the beginning of this message, God would teach you something. If God spoke to you about something, right now in a moment of silence, would you say, Lord, I heard you. Your servant was listening. I heard you. Please help me control my tongue. In the name of Christ, we pray these things together. Amen. Well, isn't that interesting? I was talking about the tongue and I went long. (laughs) So our closing song will be a moment of silence. Um, Actually, what I'd like to do, because we are a little bit long on this, um, what I would like to do is this. uh, Tommy, I think you had a couple of closing announcements. You come on up here, please. Um, 
But I just, um, I would like to remind you all that how important this is and how important it is to pray. And if you'd like to, I will offer that would be some of us up here after the service is over if you'd like to pray about anything. So, Tommy, come give us a couple of closing announcements. We're sure. Right with that. Couple